Welcome to Flight Deck, an inside look at the New York Jets. I'm your host, Rich Samini. I cover the Jets for ESPN. The season is now in the rearview mirror, 7-10, ending with a six-game losing streak. The Jets haven't lost that many in a row to end a season since the infamous 96 season when they went 1-15. Trust me, no team in Jets history, you don't want to be compared to the 96 team in any way, shape, or form. So it was a brutal ending for the Jets. I'm not going to spend a lot of time in this episode rehashing, but a couple of things. I can summarize it in a few sentences. Good start, bad finish, good defense, bad offense, bad quarterback play. Here's a positive stat you can wrap your arms around during the cold winter months. The Jets allowed 100 and 88 fewer points than last year. That is the second biggest improvement in the last 50 years of the NFL. Major, major improvement on defense. Now the negative, they ended the season with 31 straight offensive possessions without a touchdown. The longest such streak in the NFL this season. It's hard to do. I mean, I know... They were playing with a skeleton cast the last couple of games, but how do you go 31 straight possessions without a touchdown? You'd think there'd be a fluke play, something to break to score a touchdown, but they don't. Really, really damning. Now, they got a whole bunch of issues facing them as they head into the offseason, and we're going we're gonna to touch on a couple of things right now. Um, number one, potential staff changes. This is a fluid situation. Could change minute by minute, but as of Wednesday afternoon, the Jets had not announced any changes. A lot of speculation surrounding Mike LaFleur, the offensive coordinator. I would say his status is up in the air. Robert Sala strongly advocating publicly to keep Mike LaFleur. I'm not so sure Woody Johnson is buying that, though. Now, ultimately, Robert Sala is supposed to have the final say on his coaching staff. That is something written into his contract. But, of course, the owner of the team can pretty much do whatever he wants. So that's a situation to watch closely. I think Mike LaFleur is a young coach with a lot of potential. You saw some creativity. I like his play design. You saw late in the season how he became aggressive and tried different wrinkles. And so under ideal circumstances with the quarterback working well on the offensive line, and when Brees Hall was in there, the Jets looked like a real offense. However, very rarely in the NFL do you have ideal circumstances for very long. It's a league of adjustments, a league of attrition with injuries, and the coaches have to be able to adapt. It's a production business, and the Jets didn't produce. Four touchdowns in the last six games is unfathomable. I think if the Jets are really keeping Zach Wilson, as they say, it's going to be hard to keep Mike LaFleur as the primary voice on offense because for whatever reason, those two just have not clicked. Zach Wilson regressed this year, and I don't know. Is that the definition of insanity, trying the same thing over and over and expecting a different result? They've been together for two years, and it hasn't happened and I'm not saying that's all Mike LaFleur's uh, you know, uh, problem or, or fault because the player has to bear a lot of responsibility as well. But it's not happened between those two. And so that makes me think that the Jets might move on. Uh, you know, who could they get? 
It's hard to find an offensive coordinator for this position, especially with so much question around the quarterback position. But I would have to think Nathaniel Hackett would have to be a name to watch. Now, granted, he did a horrible job as the Denver head coach, but he was a pretty highly thought of offensive coordinator before that. He spent time in Green Bay under Matt LaFleur, who happens to be Robert Sala's best friend. And uh, I, I would think LaFleur would give Hackett you know, a good recommendation. They run the same style offense. That's a name to watch. Another name to watch, maybe, and maybe I'm spitballing here, but Greg Olson, the senior offensive assistant for the Rams. That coaching staff is obviously up in the air because Sean McVay is deciding his own future. And so if he becomes available, you wonder about a guy like Olson, and here's why. He spent the last four years before this year coaching Derek Carr with the Raiders. So if the Jets really want to make a run at Derek Carr, you would think they'd want to get the guy who has coached him before in Greg Olson. Now, this is just speculation on my part. I I don't have anyone telling me this, but a name to watch there uh, in Greg Olson, a well-traveled coach who has some philosophies rooted in this type of system. I know in my notes column last week, I mentioned the possibility of them hiring a senior offensive assistant, Robert Sala, confirming that on Monday, saying it's, quote, definitely on his mind. I speculated about Kubiak, Gary Kubiak, a coach that Sala knows well from his past. From what I understand, Kubiak is not a possibility. I think he's going to stay retired. Would have been perfect for the role. I think Sala knows he would have been perfect. You know, and I think he may have even tried to get him last year for this role, but not going to happen this time. So it won't be Kubiak in that role. I know some fans are speculating about Frank Reich. Forget about it. He's not coming to the Jets to be the offensive coordinator. He's getting head coaching interviews. The Jets staff is going to be in flux. I mean, this is what happens when you have an ending like the Jets have. People move on. Quarterbacks coach Rob Calabrese. Offensive line coach John Benton, I think they're on shaky ground. I even heard a rumor about uh, special teams coordinator Brant Boyer. Um, Jets gave up two punt return touchdowns this year, which were devastating. So that's another one to watch, as is Greg Scruggs, the assistant defensive line coach. Another name to watch. Another big issue facing the Jets, well, we talked about him already, Zach Wilson. Everything the Jets say seems to indicate that he's coming back. I do not believe he's coming back as the starter. And I think the Jets know that. They just can't say that publicly right now. I think they see him as a high-end number two, maybe a low-end number one, which is kind of sad and frightening at the same time because they drafted him second overall. He should be better than that. He's not. I think the Jets have come to the realization that he's not going to be an elite quarterback, but they don't want to chuck him away. They want to try to salvage this investment. So that's why I do think he will be back as a backup. Now, as someone told me, Joe Douglas would trade his mother if a good deal came along. Um, So you can never rule out a trade. I I just don't think that this is going to be a situation where they're going to get much for him. And what are they going to get for Zach Wilson? Like a fifth or sixth round pick? It's not worth it. Might as well just keep him, try to develop him and see where it goes. Now, Derek Carr, a name that's come up a lot, that decision's going to have to be made fairly quickly because the way his contract is written, if he's on the Raiders roster three days into the waiver period, which is three days after the Super Bowl, then his salary, which is almost $33 million, becomes guaranteed. 
Does not appear that the Raiders will keep him, so they will obviously try to shop him in a trade. If not, then cut him. Do the Jets make a move for him? I think it's a possibility, but we are talking about a huge financial investment here. You pick up the $33 million guaranteed for this year, and also the, uh, another $7.5 million becomes guaranteed for the following year, 7.5 of the $42 million for 2024. So if the Jets were to trade for him under his existing contract, they'd be picking up two years, $75 million. That averages out to 37 and a half, which, which would make him roughly the 10th highest paid quarterback. That is a lot of money. And it also takes a lot of chutzpah to go up to Woody Johnson and say, Woody, we need $75 million for Derek Carr uh, because we don't think Zach Wilson can be our starter. I'm like, Woody Johnson It's like, you want what? To spend how much money? That's a big ask. So Carr could be a possibility. But, you know, there's always the chance they re rework the guy's contract. But that is a big nut to take on. A lot of money. Jimmy G, Garoppolo, will be a free agent, so you don't have to trade for him. He'll be less money. I, I suspect somewhere in the 20 to $25 million range. You could probably get him for what, uh, what would amount to a one-year contract. So there's the comfort level with the coaching staff. He obviously knows this system. The downside is the durability. He's dealt with some injury issues. So I think he's very much a factor. A name to watch, Ryan Tannehill of the Titans. Obviously ended the year on an injury. Has only one year left on his deal. It's $27 million non-guaranteed. I don't know if the Titans are going to shop him, but you have to think they might with a new GM coming in there. Might look to go in a different direction. If they do, someone to keep an eye on. He has played in a similar system. You know, this Shanahan West Coast system is all over the league, and he has played in it, so he's a good fit there. Now, he's going to be 35. You're probably looking at a one-year situation with him, but maybe that's the way to go with Zach Wilson as the backup. Gives you uh, an opportunity maybe to go back to Wilson the following year, but Ryan Tannehill, a name to keep an eye on. Another issue surrounding the Jets, Quinnen Williams coming out at the end of the season and saying that he deserves a contract extension and he wants it by OTAs or he will skip the voluntary portion of the offseason. So that is not a major threat. It's kind of a mild threat because, let's be honest, if he doesn't show up for the voluntaries, it's not a huge deal. But I think it's the first salvo. Uh, the first salvo in what could be a very intriguing negotiation. I don't think they're going to get a deal done by April. That's just not the Jets' way. They do have the leverage here because Quinnen is under contract for another year. Plus, they have the franchise tag at their disposal. So much like it was with Jamal Adams, the Jets have the leverage here. I do think they want to get something done. I mean, why wouldn't you? He's a 25-year-old defensive tackle coming off a career year with no major injury issues, no off-the-field concerns. He's like the ideal player. You want to keep guys like that. The thing is, he's going to be asking for a lot of money. I think he wants to be one of the highest-paid defensive players in the league. I'm Not defensive tackles, defensive players. Right now, you got Aaron Donald, $32 million a year. T.J. Watt, $28 million. Joey Bosa, $27 million. Miles Garrett, $25 million. 
bet on this. Quentin Williams wants to be in that group. He absolutely does. You could make a strong argument that he belongs there. Do the Jets pony up that kind of money? Remains to be seen. This is uh, probably not going to be an easy contract negotiation. It never is with the Jets. They have a bad history with former first-round picks. And so keep an eye on that. And another issue that popped up at the end of the season, this is kind of a positive thing. Makai Becton, I could barely recognize him. He's lost weight. He's been working out at the Jets facility while rehabbing his surgically repaired knee. He looks good. He says he feels good. He says he's motivated. I think from what I've been told, he dropped about 15 pounds. He wouldn't say how much. He just said, I feel skinny. He looks skinny. You could even see it in his face. He looks slender. Well, not slender. I mean, the guy is still probably 360 or 370, but he's got a new agent, uh, a New York-based agent who has a very good reputation. I think he's going to be training at a facility in New Jersey, which is good. He won't be schlepping back and forth between the Dallas and New Jersey. So he's going to be hanging around. He looks motivated. He's in the last year of his contract. I think he wants to go back to playing left tackle. I don't think he was thrilled with the right tackle situation. So that's a positive. If they can get a healthy Makai Becton back, that really opens up some possibilities for the offensive line. And we've got Twitter time. At Real Coach K asks, He used an app, and it showed cutting Davis, and Lawson opens up a lot of cap space with only a million in dead cap. Is this accurate, and do you see it happening? It is accurate, Chris, because uh, if the Jets were to cut Corey Davis and Carl Lawson, they would save $25 million on the cap and get stuck with only $1 million in dead money. That is a a lot of savings. Uh, Corey Davis, yes, I do think he's a goner. He's played only 22 games in two years. He's got 1,000 yards in two years. I don't think it's an outrageously high cap number, but what's the point? It's not. Uh, they're not getting the bang for the buck. Lawson is interesting. Had an okay year, not a great year. He had seven sacks. Uh, I think there's a chance the Jets could run it back with him because, uh, you know, $15 million is not outrageously high for an edged rusher. Uh, And another factor, Connor Hughes of The Athletic uh, asked Lawson the day after the season ended or or got this information from him. Lawson actually had another type uh, Achilles-related surgery. It was like last January uh, because of a setback in his rehab. And so that set him back a little further. So uh, and he still went out and had a pretty decent year. So I'm thinking that the Jets may want to give him another try thinking that a healthy offseason could really, really help him. So it, it that one's up in the air. It's 50-50. Also, Jermaine Johnson and Michael Clemens, you know, they're ready to step into bigger roles. That also could factor into the loss and decision. Next one, at D. Terraman. What contracts are the most likely to be restructured and how much cap is available if they do? Well, the most the, the, the logical candidate here is C.J. Mosley. He's counting $21.5 million on the cap. That cannot happen. It's prohibitive. Uh, they only save $5 million if they cut him. And so it makes sense for both sides for them to renegotiate this deal. He made the Pro Bowl this year. Um, he's 30 years old. I think the Jets would like to keep him, but not at that number. 
it's going to be interesting because do you ask a Pro Bowl linebacker to take a pay cut? They're going to have to really get creative in reworking that. Next one from at Sun Moonrise uh, uh, 31. Question is, uh, hold on a second. The question is, uh, what would you do and what will the Jets do at wide receiver this offseason? Um, so, yeah, here's what I think is going to happen at wide receiver. You know, obviously, I think Garrett Wilson's a star in the making. I do think Elijah Moore will be back, even though he had that trade request. Um, this was a disappointing for Elijah, a year for Elijah Moore. He did not play as well as I thought or the Jets thought, but I don't think Joe Douglas wants to cut bait after two years. I do think Corey Davis will be cut. I think Braxton Berrios could be cut as well. I'd say that's 50-50. Uh, Denzel Mims, interesting, going into the last year of his deal. I could see a possible trade around the draft or maybe at the end of the preseason. So the Jets, and I do think the Jets will draft another wide receiver. They're going to need another receiver to go with Wilson and Moore and uh, and bring back someone else. Uh, they need another playmaker out there. Some folks are already speculating on DeAndre Hopkins. I do not see that. If the, if the Cardinals want to trade him, if I'm the Jets, I say no thanks. He's 30 years old. He's coming up two down years, and he wants a huge contract. That's not the way I want to go if I'm the Jets. At Caesar Sally or Caesar Sala, NYJ, what went wrong with Lake and Tomlinson, and will the numbers force them to play him next season regardless of performance? Yeah, this was not a great year for Lake and Tomlinson. Uh, I'll give you some of our ESPN metrics. He ranked 25th at a 63 qualified guards in pass block win rate his run block win rate was way way lower 57 out of 64 qualified so those he did not have a good year now he did play the entire year so give him credit for that he's durable cap number next year a whopping 17.4 million if they cut him it actually costs more it would cost them 18 million in dead money so i don't think he'll be back I think it's a little bit troubling that a guy who really knows that system, so there wasn't like a transition period in learning the system. He should have hit the ground running, and he didn't, so that's a little bit of a concern. At Crevo Rich, do you remember what Parcel said about not having a good center prior to, prior to signing Kevin Mawai? He says, Rich, they couldn't move the ball at the end of the season. Should they upgrade and replace Connor McGovern? I absolutely think they will. Connor McGovern will be a free agent. I do not think he will be back. McGovern, to his own to his credit, admitted at the end of the year that he wasn't playing as well, that his performance had slipped. He ranked 30th at a 32 centers in run blocking win rate. Not good. It's not a great draft for centers. The consensus top center is a guy from Minnesota, John Michael Schmitz. Uh, but not really considered a first-rounder. I do think the Jets will draft the center pretty high in this draft. You know, maybe not obviously in the first round, but it's a position they need to upgrade. At J underscore BAC10, Rich, I went to the Miami game this weekend. I didn't see a rental car on the side of the road, so that's good, LOL. If a top quarterback prospect were to fall in the upcoming draft, do you think the Jets would pick him and restart the quarterback clock again? Uh our man here, Jay Back, is referring to my rental car episode from a few years ago, which I shared on last week's podcast. And I had a very good rental car experience this time. Uh, no accidents, uh, no breakdowns, better driving by me. 
So it was all smooth in that respect. But uh, as for the quarterback prospect, I would be stunned if the Jets took a quarterback with the 13th pick. Uh, It would be restarting the quarterback clock again. This regime, Salah and Douglas, they know they can't afford to start the clock again. So I do not see the Jets drafting a quarterback in the first round. Could they take one in the fourth round uh, on the third day of the draft? You know, and hope they get their Brock Purdy type guy? Absolutely. I could definitely see that happening. But I think for a number of reasons, first round is probably not the way they're going to go. At Rocket Jet 12, hi, Rich. As good as the Jets' defense was this year, could you see them drafting a run-stuffing defensive tackle in the first round if he's the best player available? He goes, I feel they uh, missed out. Uh, missed really missed Foley Fadakasi this year. Foley, of course, starting with the Jaguars now, left via free agency. You know, it's interesting. The Jets finished 16th in run defense, and you say to yourself, "Wow, that's that's low for a defense that ranks so highly in other areas." But when you look at it closely, they ranked only four. They were fourth in yards per carry, and they were second in a metric called defensive rush success which measures down and distance and situational stuff. So they were second in that, fourth in yards per carry. So the 16th is a little bit deceiving. So their run defense is, I think, better than you think it is. However, Sheldon Rankins is a free agent, and they don't so – is, so is Nathan Shepard, and so is Solomon Thomas. So three out of your four top defensive tackles are going to be free agents. So, yes, I could see them drafting a defensive tackle. At Eric Klein, Ph.D., Rich, do you think the Jets are a candidate for one of the international games next season? And if so, do you think they could lose a home game, especially since they're scheduled to play 10 regular season games at MetLife Stadium? Just to be clear, those are nine Jet home games, and then they play the Giants uh, on the road, quote-unquote, on the road. So that's why they have the 10 games at MetLife. I thought the Jets... I think they could be a candidate to play a game in London where they obviously have some strong ties because of Woody Johnson. But I I, I don't think that's something that the Jets are going to want to do. I I just don't get the sense that the coaching staff would want to do that, pack up and go overseas. I've also heard rumors that they could be a candidate or a target for hard knocks. Again, something I don't think the Jets would embrace. Now, one thing they would embrace, I think, is going to Canton, Ohio, to play the Hall of Fame game. So you have that extra preseason game. You'd have, you'd have four preseason games. I think the Jets would like that. And uh, certainly, from a PR standpoint, it would be great, especially if Darrell Rebus and Joe Klecko uh, both get into the Hall of Fame, which I think there's a really good chance of that happening. And next, from at Marty Levine. We're ending it with our old friend Marty who says uh, he wants to pick out a couple of top five lists. Uh, He wants me to pick five free agents they will re-sign, five they won't, and five guys under contract who get cut. Okay, I'll go with five top priorities, free agents. Quincy Williams, for sure, Quan Alexander, Greg Zerline, Sheldon Rankins, and Mike White. I think those, out of all their free agents, I think they have 19 unrestricted free agents. I think those would be the five who I would rank the highest, certainly Quincy Williams coming off his first contract would rank the highest out of that group. Uh, Out of the five guys who I think free agents they wouldn't re-sign, I think George Fant, Connor McGovern, LaMarcus Joyner, those are three guys who I think they will look to move on from. 
five cap casualties. I think we already mentioned Corey Davis. I think Dwayne Brown. I think Jordan Whitehead could be a cap casualty. Braxton Berrios is 50-50. And like I said earlier, maybe Carl Lawson. So there you have it. Five guys I think they'll prioritize. Five I think are goners. And then five uh, potential cap hits. I hope that answered the question. I appreciate the questions every week. There are so many of them. I can't get to them all, but I do so much appreciate the passion. Well, I just want to thank everyone who listened to Flight Deck this year, whether you were a one-time visitor or, or every week. I really appreciate the passion and the interest in Flight Deck. And I want to thank the guests we had this year. Now, they don't get paid, so they come on because they want to and because they're super nice to me. And I always appreciate it. Chronologically, going back to the start of the season, Joe Klecko, Sauce Gardner, Mike Westoff, Quincy Anunwa, Tony Richardson, Leger Duzable, Thomas Jones, Sal Palantonio, and Mike Tannenbaum. Thank you to all of them for enriching our podcast. Every, each and every one of them brought something different to the table. I wish the best for Joe Klecko. That will be announced on February 9th. We'll know the uh, 2023 Hall of Fame class. He is a senior finalist. I have a Excellent feeling that he's going to get in. I would expect him to get in. And I have a really good feeling about Darrell Rivas as well. So the Jets could be painting Canton green this summer, the Hall of Fame weekend, which is in early August. That would be really cool if those guys get in. And I hope to be there. I want to thank my producer, Jeff Scopin. He does it every week, puts up with me and my crazy suggestions and odd hour requests. And so he's a champ. I really appreciate that. And, of course, all the Jet fans, we don't always agree on everything. A lot of times we disagree. And I love the criticism. I think that's what sports is all about. You know, it's a back and forth between fans and media. And that what's, that's what makes it work. And so I appreciate it and love the passion. Uh, this was my 34th year on the Jets. One of the crazier years, I have to say. When they were six and three and seven and four, I thought they were going to the playoffs, and I thought Mike White was going to take them there. And we all saw what happened. It was a, uh, it was like a chapter out of so many Jets chapters we've seen in the past, and it just didn't work out as the wheels came off. Moral of the season: You need a quarterback in the NFL. The Jets went through three starters this year. It did not work out for their sake. I hope they get it right in 2023 we will have flight deck podcasts throughout the off season as news warrants lots of stuff to cover with the combine and of course the draft and mini camps all coming up uh, this was really a fun year for me my 34th hopefully we can do it again we'll see how it goes but i'll talk to you next time on flight deck <laughs>